So anything else you guys want to chat, bring up? Come on. We can see if we can be for five minutes quiet. <laughs> Just look at one another. Uh, hold on. I have somebody. Uh, well, let's do this. Like if you guys, nobody, if nobody wants to say anything, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a presentation that I, I, I think I created it when I was at Bolts too, and then I show it to many different places. I haven't. It's the same presentation that I did last time in 2017, so I haven't changed the names of things, you know. But um, uh, let me see. It's called. It's called, I call it TP. It's called Tradition, Excellence, Excellent and Passion. And it's, you know, something that I like. Can you guys see the the, the screen? Yes? I, you know, that's something that I, um, that I believe. I, I just came out with this acronym, I guess, because in America, in many places, everything's about acronyms. And, you know, so I call it uh, I don't know how to say tempo tip, whatever it is, <laughs> but I think I think you know. And this is this comes back to the same idea of why we coach and how you can build a team. You know, um, you know, this is the philosophy that I created when uh, we were at Bulls, uh, because one of the things when I left college coaching, I found myself at Bulls without understanding what was my my purpose there. You know, I thought that I was going to be a college coach for a long time and until my mom had some issues and I had to bring her back, uh, I had to bring her to the United States. I had to left college coaching uh, because of that. I was very lucky. I found myself at Bowles, but it took me around six months, five, six months to understand why I was there. So the philosophy that I had is to, to teach each student athlete to understand, appreciate and develop their unique talent so they can be successful in the pool and in the classroom. Uh, the ultimate goal was to give each one of the swimmers that I coach or that we coach uh, to go and swim at Division One, Two, II, or Three, or even junior college and so they can enjoy being a part of something special. You know, as a coach, you want to send the swimmers to Stanford, to Texas, to Cal's and all this because that brings your status so much higher, you know, and everybody's going, like, wow. But I think the goal is to give an opportunity to each one of the kids that you you coach to have that experience of being a student athlete. It doesn't matter if you're Division One, Division Two, Division Three, or it's not even ranked at Division One, whatever it is. When you go, most of the teams, you when you go to college, you become part of something special. And you're going to have a group of people. Again, most of us had some pretty good experiences with our, with our college teams. And, you know, we have friends for life. You know, in seven and a half years, uh, this is wrong. Uh, we sent over 210 swimmers to college. So that's a pretty good number. Now, important to have and to know, to have a philosophy and to have an ultimate goal. Reasons why I coach, you need to ask yourself. You know, and we'll have many talents in life. And this is, this is pretty much my philosophy, you know, if I want to think that way. Our swimmers feel their talent to one degree or another. Talent doesn't mean that when you say, oh, that person has talent, is going to be an Olympic champion or is going to be an NCAA champion. To me, 
the way I describe talent is when somebody works very hard at something and can have that moment when they get goosebumps or they feel good about something. That's a talent because they feel that. You know, we have an amazing ability as human beings to measure everything by either you're the best or you're excellent or you don't have that talent. Uh, you know, if you can if you can tap into that and make somebody feel good and appreciate it, they're gonna use that talent for the rest of their life. If they're successful at appreciating their talent, they will be able to transfer that into their work ethics, their passion, their goal settings, to anything that they do in life and be very successful. I think the most important thing for me in my philosophy is to make sure that every every athlete that I coach or the crosses path with me appreciates the moment in time in their life. You know? And that's a very important thing, the moment in time. You know? um, uh, the ultimate goal, you know, you have to have a path as coach, not to become complacent. And your ultimate goal is has to be dynamic. You know, you know, I wanted to be an Olympic champion and I didn't get that. That doesn't mean that I didn't accomplish my goal. I know I went there to the, you know, I got a bronze medal and for many people might be, wow, that's great. But my goal was to be an Olymp uh, a gold medalist. And I, I cry, I don't cry, I this, I this, but you cannot be disappointed because of one thing or another, you're going to understand that you did everything you could. And that's why you got to teach your kids. It's not about giving up on something, but if you're honest with the efforts that you make, your goal is going to be very dynamic. It's going to change. It's going to be plastic. If you don't have a philosophy, ultimate goal, you need to start now. You don't just coach to coach. You have to have a philosophy and an ultimate goal. You know, reflecting and thinking, you know, I remember I've, I've told you this many times, or I mentioned it, that five minutes, 10 minutes every day, you know, to find those things or just to think. If you think about how you feel and why are you doing what you're doing, you're going to find the goals that you want to you, you accomplish and it will make sense to you. You cannot listen to somebody. Wow, do you think if I get this job, I can be, I, uh, we can uh, be junior national champions or I can be an NCAA champion? You just got to do what you need to do. Yeah, you know, why kids don't want to swim? Because it, it's, it's not a team sport. So you need to have that in mind. Too much work individually. You know, it's not fun. You know? Being self-conscious, and you see a lot of uh, people are self-conscious of being on a speedo. And nowadays, even more with all these jammer things that we have, you know. So uh, kids like football, baseball, basketball, more than I call football, baseball, and, baseball and basketball like games. You know, people would say, why is a game? Yeah, it's, I, I think a sport is swimming, gymnastics. Uh, and a, a games, yeah, includes something of a sport, but it's a game. You know, you depend on other people. You know. You can have a bad day in a game and you can still win. You can have a bad day in a sport and you're gone. You know, in, in, in the United States, what? Less than 1% of the year-round swimmers make it to the U.S. national team. A lot more opportunities to be successful as a student athlete, high school or college, than as a year-round swimmer. Meaning that, you know, as a year-round swimmer, only one less than one percent make the U.S. team. You know, you have a lot of high school kids and a lot of summer league kids, and 
you know, I was recruiting a kid from Texas. The, the last few years used to spend all his this year swimming summer league and swimming high school. And he's one of the fastest kids. You know, and they, now they're going to go to, a, they didn't choose us. They're going to go to another great team, you know, and, and they're going to be very successful. You know, kids love to race and win. And that's a very important thing. And you, you have to teach that and you have to do that in, 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 in training. Uh, kids love to be part of a team. It gives them pride being successful, successful as a group. It takes pressure away from the individual. It is not for me, but for my teammates, and we all know that. And it's easier for a kid to swim fast in, faster in yards than it is in long course, because honestly, they're two different sports, you know. So instead of being always obsessed on swimming long course, swimming so long course, long course, create a good base for short course yards. That as long as you're consistent, it's going to keep translating. And at one point, you have some very good long course swimmers. I use the what I call tap you know i don't publicize it everywhere but that's things that i really believe make me help me build a team and that's what i you know if i reflect on everything i've done in my life that's what i've learned you know, i come from a, a country that growing up we had a dictatorship i didn't care about my country i had no i represented spain but i could care less about my flag and my country until I came to America and understood what it means to listen to the national anthem every day. Like in my country, if you listen to the national anthem, if they put the national anthem, most people will shoot the people that just put the national anthem. Because in more in Barcelona and Catalonia, you know, there was no pride of being part of being a Spain. And, and one of the things that I learned from the United States is the pride that we have on the flag, the tradition that we have on a university or in a club team or following a mascot, you know. So tradition, excellence, a passion is a combination that if you can, if you can tap into that, you can create amazing teams. You know? I know passion nowadays, the last 10, 15 years, has been used too much, you know. Tradition, I really believe, you know, normally it will take you three to four years to change, to get a team when you start a team to the place that you want it. But I th really believe that it can be established in 15 months, you know, uh, 15 months, a year and a half. It's something exciting and contagious. It grows very quickly, you know. And most important, like everything, like success is a state of mind. And how can you feed that state of mind? You know, I, this is an old uh, presentation, but that was uh, West Virginia University. When I got there, there was no tradition of anything. So we had to build something. And in, in three years, we went from being on the bottom of anywhere to being top 20 in the country and winning the Big East. You know? And how we created a tradition. If anybody, anybody knows anything about West Virginia, is about the song Country Roads, you know. And I'll tell you how I came out with that. I was at a football game, West Virginia against Maryland. And I was like watching, normally uh, every football game, we would, we would leave halftime, but the game was very exciting. My wife left with my daughter, so I, uh, I stayed there with my son. My son was a baby. And uh, I didn't know that Maryland and West Virginia 
hated one another with passion that they used to burn they burn couches and all this stuff but i was there the, the game went over time and after we won the overtimes one one or two overtimes i don't remember the first thing that happens is in the two screens that were in the stadium there's this mountain this video of a mountain and then this song country roads that starts playing and if there were seventy thousand people in the stadium and everybody was standing and singing country roads i was holding my son and i got goosebumps i said wow this is at this moment in time the best place in the world there's no other better place right now the energy that we had and i had no clue about anything i was new you know and and i thought well if i can build it if i want to build a team i'm going to use this country roads thing and we're going to use it and that's what we did we used that song and two and a half years later we're at the biggest championships winning the biggest championships and we had a team full of foreign kids singing country roads all together and to this day they love that you know so balls had a long tradition so i was able to tap into that singapore singapore had not really much tradition of anything so we tried to create one and it fell uh, just because the government we tried to create a mascot and we tried to do this and and the mascot and the name was already taken by somebody else and they were upset they were trying to uh, it was a big a big problem but excellence it starts with the coach it starts with each one of us uh, don't look at what you don't have look you know uh, most of us we're afraid of failing we're gonna look at any excuse that we have to say well you know that team has this we don't have that so if they beat us it's okay that's excuse utilize what you have at 110 percent if you work if you work hard every day as a coach they will they will learn by example and that's very important and you have to have discipline you have to understand who you are you know because discipline is a very relative word you know because you know, if you go to the army, the discipline in the army is totally different than if my discipline to, to be successful and do things. You know? So you need to understand that you have to be consistent with the way you do work. Passion is in, is it is everywhere. You know, you can you have to deliver your thoughts with purpose. When you talk to the team, when you talk with parents, when you me as a as a as a college coach, when I talk with the recruit and the parents. You know, you need to make them feel, wow, this, this person cares for me, cares for the team, genuinely, not just as a car salesman, you know. Swimmers will feel and share your passion for sure. You know, be true to what you feel. And passion is a thing that grows quickly and it's also very contagious. You know, making swimming exciting and fun, you know, while you create all this, you use all this, uh, tradition, excellence, and passion. Just be creative with practice. Create competition and race at practice. That's what really, at least in America, works. They love this. They love to race. They love to, to work hard in that sense. I think one of the important things, build the team with relays, through relays. Any team, college, uh, club team, high school, have a purpose on having relays. You know, when you have a chance to take extra swimmers to junior nationals or to the state team with relay, 
you have, you have to educate the parents and the kids. And that's a very important thing because you can get double points. You can help the team. And it's not just about one swimmer. It's about everybody. And that's why at the Olympics, if each one of you, you were offered a spot in the U.S. Olympic team, being the sixth person, would you say no? No. Because you will win a gold medal probably, or at least an Olympic medal. And all, at least you have a chance to go to the Olympics. So relays are very important. Set a goal and sell it to the kids. You know, with win realize at the stage, you know, nationals, etc. Uh, you know, I think when you teach, you know, uh, when you teach, when you show them what uh, you build a tradition and you show them your, the way you, you portray excellence and you try to uh, get to that point and you're passionate about things, it's very easy for a high school kid to fall in love with, with swimming and to slowly get, come to more practice and have more commitment. You, know, you don't want a kid to have commitment when they're a freshman in high school if you have to force them. Because by the time they're juniors, they might be gone. You want to keep organically because the way you build things, the way you use the tip or tap, by the time they're seniors, they're fully in and they can go to college and have an, an amazing uh, experience. Don't rush things. You know, if you have a good, a good plan, if you understand what the kids in the area you live in need and want, you will be very successful. Um, most important, if you look at the, what you should keep in mind, that I think is very important, the destiny of your team is not a matter of chance. It is a matter of choice. The choices that you as a coach or head coach make about your tradition, excellence, and passion will most likely decide the fate of your team. And that's, that's a sure thing. So that's something that, you know, I thought about sharing with you if it makes sense. So, so maybe we can open up another way of, of conversation. Does anybody have anything to say? Oh. Okay, I have here uh, from Andrew Addison. What sort of traditions do you try to instill in the organization? Or do you mean traditions of, of excellent, excellence and passion? Well, I think, I think it all depends where you are, you know. Um, I think some of the traditions that you can establish, if you go to a place that there is no tradition, you have to come up with things, you know, work ethic, the way you do things, you know, little things that they're going to evolve into bigger things. And then a tradition is going to be like going to, to be consistently a team that goes to junior nationals and maybe – we're limited because of the town that we live and the type of people that we can have. And that's, that's where we can be for a few years. That's where we are. But slowly you're going to, you're going to try to instill something like make them believe that they can accomplish something. And I think um, when I went to West Virginia, there's no tradition of anything. Most of the, the people in the team and, you know, Carl Williams was there. It was, that team was in disarray, you know. But one of the things that the university had is being a mountaineer, 
was a very important thing. So then you focus on being a mountaineer and being a good person and respecting one another. And as dysfunctional as we are, try to get better at that. And I think, I don't know if Kyle is there, but he can talk about something that we did there or like um, one of, I think uh, Michael Walker or one of the athletes, one of the athletes that I coach, Pablo is there. Maybe he can say something like that. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, I mean, just for everybody to know, I mean, I was a freshman on Serge's first year at West Virginia. He recruited me there kind of like that summer right before he started. And um, and I think he what he's saying makes no justice of how bad the team was at that time and uh, what he was talking about. But I, if I remember correctly, I mean, there was definitely a, time where you know, by him focus making us focus on what it meant to be a part of that university it, it really bled into everything else that we did and and the pride was maybe there weren't like that many successful results in swimming but he made us focus on ourselves and what it was to be a mountaineer uh through and through and i think that that grew every year and every class that he brought in believed in that so that tradition even though it was short-lived uh, really carried on and um you know i mean i can only speak for myself but i know like kyle williams and sears summer as well like every person that became a coach out of that group i feel like we all teach that same thing and um it is it works and it's highly successful thanks uh paula uh yeah i mean I'll, I'll just chime in there as well i mean i grew up about 30 minutes south of that university of uh of west virginia university i mean i was born and raised a mountaineer uh my whole family went to that university and as a senior in high school uh it was at the bottom of my list i was never gonna go there um not in a million years just because i wanted to swim at a high level and i mean there was you know from what i could see you know growing up and following that team it just wasn't what I was looking for. Um, Sergio took over that team my senior year and uh, convinced me otherwise and by far the best decision of my life just because, I mean, growing up, knowing the tradition of, you know, the university and how good it could be, um, but just swimming-wise, it wasn't there. And having someone like Sergio come in and, you know, take a hold of that right away, um, find those little traditions that the university as a whole had uh, instill that into the swim team. I mean, it just propelled us in a way that, uh, I could never imagine at that university at the time. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I think like Pablo said, I mean, all of us who are now coaches, um, having swam for Sergio or worked with Sergio, um, that's something that we always try to do, uh, no matter what program we're at. Uh, piggyback off of uh, what Michael said. Um, I was in the same boat as him. Like I'm, I'm from West Virginia uh, as well, and I was dead set on going out of the state uh, to swim. Not just because you know I was late to the sport of swimming anyway. Like I started swimming as a junior in high school year round, um, and I just wanted to get outside of the state. It's a small state, um, and like I was dead set on. That was just like that was my main goal as far as when I was being recruited was to get out. I had one conversation with Sergio and I was like, I got off the phone and went downstairs and I was like, Dad, 
I'm going to Morgantown, like a hundred percent, like no doubt, like this guy's just different. Um, just the way, like, as you, you see in these, uh, these talks, like the passion, um, I think it starts there with building a team and, and seeing that from your head coach and your leader, like the passion that he has day in, day out on the pool deck is, is like nothing else I've ever been a part of. And within one conversation, everything in my life, like knew where I thought it was going to change. Um, and it was just, you could hear it in the way he talked about the university, the team, where they were going. Like it was, it was an easy choice. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to work with Sergio, like swim for him at W. I work with him at Bowles and now I'm at Virginia Tech with him. Um, so I think he's, he's got my number. He's a good recruiter. Um, so I think like one of the things he mentioned was building teams through relays. Um, and that was something like where I was at, like I wasn't the level of swimmer that Pablo and Walker and Kyle were, I was trying to fight to get on those relays. And like, that was my main purpose. Um, and Sergio really taught me that my freshman year, like my, taught me my role and understanding where I was and trying to push those kids. Uh, that were, you know, third and fourth on that relay to push them to, to get to the next level to make that relay and then say qualifying relay. And, you know, through that, like, made me want to be a coach, um, you know, and, and teaching him, him teaching me my role and, and understanding, like, where I fit in and things like that, you know, because I came from West Virginia, like I said, and I was at the top of, of the sport in the state, like, with Michael, and then I came in, I couldn't even make a relay. You know, so understanding that for me was kind of a struggle as a freshman and like the way he's able to um, guide you and, and, you know, how important that was to me is like, that's the reason I became a coach. Um, and just kind of tying everything up, like that passion that he said, like that, that's what changed, that's what changes teams is, you know, the head coach, the leadership and, and the passion they bring, you know, day in, day out to the, to the pool deck. Thanks. You know, it seems like I gave a talk to, for you to talk, so it makes me feel good today, and I can go to bed happy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think most important, you know, the bottom line is why you coach, you know, and try to make, you know, try to understand the good side of things. It's not just win at all costs. If you want to win, I want to win, you know, and I'm going to work very hard. But also, you work with people, and many times it's not out of your control. So how can you give control to those people? How can you give them ownership of things? How can you make them feel uh, that they're the ones, the captains of the boat, that they're going to take this? You know? So I think that's very important. And I think if you, use, if you think about a combination of the tradition of the excellence and the passion that you can find where you are, I think you can disguise the limit. Yeah. One thing I'll add is... Uh something that I always add to my speeches when talking to the seniors that are leaving the team or on my summer team, or even just the club team is, is the power of the goosebumps. And that's something that Sergio has instilled since the beginning. I'll never forget the day he walked on the pool deck for the first time. He said, the moment we become a family is the moment we will dominate. And uh, obviously he put that on us, but, but through his passion and through his realness, it was something that um, I'll never forget. But the goosebumps aspect of it is, is so real. Uh, I think it's all, I think it's why we all coach, but that moment, one of your summers has the best time, the moment you win something in regards to your team and you look down, you're like, holy cow, I have goosebumps right now. Uh, that's just the, that's the why. That's why I, that's why I coach for sure. So thank you, Serge. You're welcome, Kyle. So what else can we chat? We have, we'll have a little bit more, you guys. 
come on. Nobody has something they want to ask somebody? Yeah, well, I want to ask uh, something else. Um, you were also uh, a long time at Bolt School, where uh, um, a lot of also um, privileged kids, I say, um, went to school who come from very, very high income households. And uh, so um, sometimes I, f I, I feel like I'm coaching now in Liechtenstein where the average income is insane. Uh, it, it is sometimes really, really hard with, with some of the kids to create um, this passionate atmosphere because they have everything. I mean, they have, there's nothing that they don't have. Uh, there's nowhere they haven't been. Uh, there's nothing the parents can buy. So, um, so um, we changed a lot in the last three and a half years and it's, it's coming along nicely, but uh, every once in a while um, there, there's still this problem and so we have only 37,000 people in the whole country, so I cannot let go everybody who doesn't want to buy it. Well, I think my situation was different because uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the kids, the parents pay a lot of money for the kids to be there. And a lot of the parents, uh, some of the parents were paying a lot of money. They, did, they didn't have the money, you know, but they wanted their kids to be there and they were willing to, get loans or do get extra jobs or do whatever it is to do because we didn't have any scholarships or things like that. So, um, I think some of the in-state, uh, Jacksonville kids, some of them might have some financial aid, but I think the process is trying to teach them to under appreciate what they have at home, you know, and how it's a privilege in a way you have to be very careful how, how you phrase all that. It's a privilege for them to be in the situation that they are. You know, for us at Bulls, absolutely, we were very privileged. Even the kids, we had uh, the the we had the the Sharks team. We had the Bulls school and the Sharks team, and the, the 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 Sharks, the late night group, they didn't go to Bulls. Some families were very wealthy but made a choice of not going to Bulls. But some other families they couldn't afford going to Bulls. So we had two different teams. And um, it's, it's the same thing. You have to teach them. You have to teach them how to appreciate life. Because we had a, I had a case of a kid that the family was very wealthy. And the, the, the father lost everything on the stock market or whatever it was. You know, something went wrong. So that family fell apart and the poor kid, we tried to counsel him. He was one of the most talented kids. You will never know who he is but he would have been a kid in the U.S. national team probably. And the next thing I know is that when he graduated from there, a year later, he was in jail. You know, so, so it's not, it, it, you know, it, it, the most important is to teach them that that can happen, you know, that you have a lot today, but tomorrow you might not have it. And that's a, it's a very tricky thing to do. Yeah. But, but through day-to-day -day examples, I think the way you live your life too, you know, and, you know, like I know when I got to Bowles, I could have a, I could have a BMW, but I drove a, a 1991 Honda Civic. That was the first car I bought with my own money, you know, 
and and you know I parked that in the parking lot with all these kids, 16 years old, with Mercedes, uh, Cadillac Escalantes, and all these things. That, that I, it didn't bother me. You know, at one point I would always look around and maybe I sell my car and I buy a, I buy a donkey and I walk in with a donkey. You know, but <laughs> I, but but I think I think it's also the way you can just show that sometimes all that is like a state of mind, you know, like success is a state of mind. Having money, many people today, they have it and tomorrow you might not have it. So how can you educate people to appreciate those moments? Hey, Serge, I had a question for Peyton. Yeah. Peyton, you there? Yeah, I'm here, a, sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't click the mute button fast enough. <laughs> no problem. As you know, as coaches, I know we're all creative with our sets and creative with the equipment that we use. I'm curious. I saw on Instagram a couple months. It was a couple months ago. You were using the um, what they go on. They go on the lane lines. And it's the it's the uh, the two was it not the uh, the tubes where the kids go under. Oh, the pool noodles. Yeah, the, the pool, pool noodles. noodles yeah, yeah. Dolphin. I was wondering how that worked out, but I also thought it'd be really cool to kind of open up a conversation of unique, maybe uh, unique tools that other coaches have used to kind of help out in regards to something specific in the sport of swimming, like Serge has the cones on the ground. I was uh, curious what, how Peyton's worked out. Yeah. Uh, we used them a, a few times. Um, it was something that, you know, we had talked about just kind of as we were daydreaming there, like maybe during warm up at some point, uh, just like talked about some kind of apparatus that would help them stay underwater um, and give them that, obviously that marker and something soft where they're not going to like hit their head and, uh, and seal it, you know, um, it worked out well because all it was was um, an inch and a half or an inch PVC with a T on the end of it. And I just basically cut a slit in the T and you're able to pop it on the lane line. Uh, the only thing I would have done probably is got, because um, it was like the bigger noodle, because there's like two sizes, I guess they come in. I would have done a smaller one because it would have laid a little bit flatter because um, the bigger noodle made it kind of stick up at an angle once they're in the water. Um, which was fine. Um, but I mean, it, it, it gave him that exact marker. Like the only thing you had to do is kind of set up lanes by ability of underwater. You know, you're not going to have, you know, a kid taking one or two kicks on the wall and then set it at 10 meters and expect them to, you know, get to a set efficiently. Um, and that was one of the things we just kind of brainstormed and came up with kind of, you know, shot from the hip and I went to Lowe's and kind of put it together one night. Um, but it, it seemed to work pretty well. At least it did for us. I'm going to jump into this, Kyle. Um, you know, the cone things that we try to do? Uh, I, and, and with this thing, the same thing with Peyton. But I never follow up with Peyton to try to make more for the team. Because uh, with the cones, I try to make the kids, to give ownership to the kids, to every day pick up the, po- the cone and every day take out the cone. At the beginning, we were saying, okay, put the cones today. Okay, and at one point I say, hey, it's up to you. And if you don't do it, I'm not going to say anything. Because at one point, when they come up to me after a meet and say, whoa, my tunes were that bad. It's like, what were the cones this past month? It's like, well, well it's just it's like, listen, you always tell me that you do everything that I tell you. But I ask you at the beginning of the season to every day put the cones. And you haven't put the cones for the last five weeks. So don't come and talk to me about any of this. So try to give them ownership. You know, it's difficult, more difficult to do that with the age group kids. You know, you have to do differently and educate them. But right now for me, it's either you want to be fast and you want to be excellent 
and and to me there's a dif- there's not much difference in somebody going uh, 142 in the 200 back or 140. It does it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, right now for me, it's doing a good job. And if that's do you only want to be a 142, that's your problem. It'll be a 142. We're gonna keep moving up, and then you're gonna be up. You know what I mean? It's not about always the coach having to push and push and push and push. You teach them, you give them ownership, and if not, and that's why I, I didn't follow up with Peyton, hey, we got to do this, we got to keep them. If the cones are not there, why am I going to do something more? How fast is fast, right? Faster than you think. <laughs> I can say something about uh, the apparatus that Peyton used. Coach Dell used it very steady with the age group that he has, which is from 11 to 14, you know, and it really works with that group. Um, in the ownership thing, you know, I work a lot with my little ones. I had the group before that, the 10 and unders, you know, and I try to um, educate my kids about the ownership part that Sergio talks all the time, you know, and, uh, and talking about the money thing, you know, I always tell my kids money doesn't buy championships, you know, mom and dad cannot go over to the supermarket and buy it for you. You have to go get it yourself and taking the ownership on those things is important, you know. Uh, I also point how important it is for them to appreciate what mom and dad are, uh, mom and dad are doing for them, you know, uh, honoring dad with their honest uh, effort in practice. Uh, I think for me that is very important. But um, I try to teach my kids more that. And, I'm, you know, I remember as a mother, uh, I take pride on my kids. They're all, you know, they're married men or whatever, and they're doing phenomenal in life. Uh, and I take pride because I think from first grade to third grade, I was on top of my kids, teaching them the discipline, the way that I thought things were supposed to be done. And after third grade, I never worry about it, you know. So having the little ones myself now, you know, I try to make sure that they're ready when they go from my group to Coach Dale to have a little bit more of that ownership and more that, uh, of that discipline and self-respect for what they do in the pool. So when they get to Coach Dale, whether they go the right way or, or they don't listen to themselves and what their goals are, you know, but that, that for me is important. Thanks, Gina. Anything else, guys? Nope. Awesome. I, I, think, I, I think this will be it for today. What's important, like, uh, I have a question here I'm, I was answering, but uh, Jeremy uh, Brueggemann asked me, back to the short cross yards, do you have any, any chart to convert the short cross yards to short cross meters. And I don't know if you mean um, the times, Jeremy, or the intervals. I was writing to you the, what I do. Like, for example, we don't use short cross meters here. But more or less, if I set intervals in yards for certain sets and I go to long course, I think about five seconds extra per 50, 10 seconds per 100, 15 seconds per 200. Uh, and then just to round up things because I don't want to go, if I go on a minute, I don't want to go on 112 on the, on the hundreds, on the 150s. And then for breaststroke and butterfly, I, I would try to, uh, to sometimes add a little bit extra, you know, maybe an extra five seconds 
on the hundred or maybe on the two hundreds, if it makes sense. But I don't have any specific charts or you know, and to convert the times from short cross yards to short cross meters, you know, it's 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 around, you know, if you go uh, forty nine flat in the hundred freestyle, you know, in my eyes when I recruit a kid, if you go forty nine zero in the hundred freestyle in short cross meters. I would th I would th I would think that a kid goes, you know, forty four flat, forty three high between forty three eight and forty four. So it's around, you know, five seconds. Depends on how good their turns are and how they move. Do I make sense, Jeremy? Yeah. Yes, Sergio. Thank you for the for the answer. My question is just because uh, I'm based in uh, Montreal, Canada. Uh -huh. so usually you, you, we, we don't use the uh, short course yard, but, but we travel we travel before a lot in the United States for training camps and, and we used the long course meters and the, and the short course yards. But the, the point was, and, and last March, we had a training camp in Nepal in the south of Florida. And um, um, we... we we train 50% in long course, 50% in uh, short course yard, and, and we love it. We love the short course yard. It was my first time really we use it. Uh, but the point was, it was not the same reference between what we do, like what we did in meters at the time and uh -huh. the results. So it was, it was like to calculate, okay, what, what kind of time is it really? So, for someone do it uh, usually eight times 50 uh, at 30 seconds in, in short course meters. What we can have in short course, yeah. Is it, is it 27 or 28 or? Yeah, yeah. I, I would think, I would think, yeah. It's around two and a half seconds per 50. Yeah, two depends. Yeah, two and a half. Per 50. Yeah, I would say, um, you, you think about two to three seconds. All right. You know, and and if you have a good backstroker that has good underwaters, you know maybe it's more. If you have a breaststroker that has good pullouts and goes at twenty six in yards, maybe it goes at twenty nine in meters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because okay. it's, a, it's only it's only what it's twenty five yards is twenty two point eight meters, I think. So it's not that that big of a difference, but it's like five meters difference for a fifty. Makes yeah. Sense. Okay. Okay, makes sense. Thanks. Anybody, Trevor, do you have something to say? Yeah, I was going to just jump on that. Um, something that I've done that helps me at least, because summer league I do short course meters year-round, short course yards. I use a conversion factor of 1.1. I just multiply the time by 1.1 since, as Sergio said, 25 yards, 22.8 meters, kind of, you know kind of about-ish. So if you want to get a rough guesstimate of what their time is com converting from short course yards to short course meters, just multiply the time by 1.1 and you'll get a guesstimate. All right, thank you. All right, guys. Um, you know, I think we're going to be done here today. Uh, just if anybody has anything they want to talk, not that I need to present, that you guys want to talk, that I bet there's some things that you want to uh, share, hopefully, let me know, right? 
And if I don't get any, any emails from anybody, and I know nowadays more and more, there's so many chat groups that people have created, and that's an awesome thing that, um, that you know, maybe I'll come up with something and I'll, I'll talk about something, but I think it's important. I, I know what I know, and I didn't set this up to listen to myself. And I really appreciate having a chance to create a group and, um, you know, helping people uh, chat and helping myself learn things, you know. So, uh, like, let me know if there's anything that you guys want to talk about or the, if, if somebody, if there's a subject that you want somebody to talk about and, and then we can go next week. But I'll, I'll try to keep saying it up every Wednesday. So I don't want to change the time. So, and then, um, yeah, we go from there. As I said at the beginning of the, 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 the this talk, in the email that I send you with the link, I send you a link to a podcast. It's a free thing, you know, uh, and it's all the talks that we had, the second, the third, and this one, the second and the third are there. The talk the talks with Singapore, uh, if you know Spanish and you were not, if you, if you can understand Spanish, you can listen to the Spanish talks. And, and also some of the talks have the, the slides that you can download. So just check it out. If you, if you want to listen to it and let me know what you think. Right? And if there's anything else that I can do. All right, guys. Thanks, Serge. You're welcome guys. Thank have you. a, have a beautiful Thanks. night. Thanks, Sergio. Thanks, Sergio. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Sergio. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I'll be the last one to leave. No, I'll be the last one. Sure. <laughs> because I can end it. The... <laughs> but David, David is still there. So I don't know if we should say anything that we're going to say. <laughs> uh, He's not willing to show his face. He shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> maybe now we need to get a beer. <laughs> yeah, I could use that. How are you guys then? Good. Good? Uh, awesome. Yeah. Let, 